Okay, so please open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, and we, like, we left off last week in verse 16 in reference to Peter being told to pretty much forsake any prejudice, tribalism, bigotry, and indifference if he was going to be a productive and life-changing soul winner. And I'll say this to you right at the beginning of this broadcast, that if you are a born-again Bible-believing Christian, Sooner or later, you will need to put yourself out for the Lord. But I'll come back to that little thought in a moment. Also from last week, we looked at a man called Cornelius, a centurion, a Roman officer with 100 men under his authority. And you ask yourself, what must you have thought of being told by an angel to find a man called Simon the Tanner, an interesting trade, a person who would be cutting up dead animals, skinning them, and using their parts to clothe individuals, to sell around the world, so on and so forth. And you think, what would he must have thought of an apostle known as Simon Peter associating with a tanner? We're looking at a generation here which is switching from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Also, we saw last week how the order came from heaven in verses 10 to 13 to kill and eat. Previously, unclean animals for consumption which once again demonstrates the completion of the Old Testament and the commencement of the New Testament. But like I said from the beginning of this message, if you're going to be any good to the Lord, if you're going to be a soul winner, if you're going to be somebody who's going to make a life-changing difference to an unsaved individual, you'll need to put yourself out. And I'll say this, that most people that are in organized religion, most people that are in a system, and I speak from experience now, I know some of these people, most of those individuals only go onto the street once a week. And if they are really keen, they'll give the Lord one hour out of their busy week, quote unquote, to go onto the streets. That's all the Lord's worth to them. One hour a week. And I speak from experience. I've seen these people over the years, those in organized religion, go into the streets to push their church, to push their system. And you know perfectly well that if there wasn't a system or a church for such people to promote, you wouldn't see them. But it's tragic that such groups will only give the Lord an hour. One hour, one day a week to do any kind of outreach work. And unfortunately, they are simply pushing their church system. But let's not get into a whole different theme. We're still very much in Acts chapter 10. And 10 is a Gentile number. Gentiles will count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 and start again. Whereas a Jew will start one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and start again. And that's why you were told in Acts chapter 6 to find seven godly men full of the Holy Ghost that had a good testimony to do the Lord's work. So seven is the Lord's number. Seven is a Jewish number, whereas ten is a Gentile number. And I say that because Cornelius was a Gentile who had converted to Judaism. His heart's right. He's got a good testimony his works are being seen amongst those in his community, which is what James chapter 2 is all about. Justification in the sight of man. But he's not quite there yet. He's not yet saved. The word of God told us back in First Samuel chapter 16, I think it is, how the Lord looks on the heart, but man looks on the outward appearance. And I've made the case over the years that a sinner gets saved simply by believing on the Lord, simply by receiving the Lord's imputed righteousness, but once he is saved, then his works are seen amongst his peers. So you've got Romans chapter 4 speaking about imputation. 
Versus James chapter 2, speaking about justification in the sight of man. So very briefly, God sees your heart. He sees whether or not you've truly believed in his son. And if you truly believe in his son, you're saved. But once you are saved, your works are seen amongst others. You're not saved by your works, but you were saved, according to Ephesians chapter 2, unto good works. But uh, what I will do today is just look at verses 13, 14 and 15 to pick up the theme we left off last week. Verse 13. And there came a voice to him, rise Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Just a context, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, kill four-footed beasts, twelve, wild beasts, creeping things and fowls of the air. The Lord's breaking down Peter's uh, Jewish upbringing. And don't get me wrong, Peter's a good man. Peter is a saved Jew. But he's got to move beyond Jewry. He's got to reach out to the Gentiles. He's got to get his hands dirty. He's got to go down Skid Row. And I'm speaking to some of you brothers now that have been saved 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And never once in your life have you given a tract out. Never once in your life have you street preached. Never once in your life have you told a man or woman he's going to burn in hell. Unless he's born again. You've got to get your hands dirty my friends. I'm not speaking to sisters now. I'm speaking to men. I'm speaking to you brothers that have been saved for years. And yet you might go to church. You might not. You may read your Bible, you may not, but if you're born again, sooner or later, you need to open your mouth. And here the Lord is breaking Peter down. He's arguing with the Lord. Peter was a very uh, hot-headed individual, much like our sons of Zebedee. But the Lord's going to persevere with him. And it says in 16, this was done thrice, three times. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. So keep that in mind as we start today's broadcast in verse 17. And I pray the Lord will bless this message. I Pray he will bless the shortwave broadcast as it goes around the world. I pray he will bless the live stream that you are listening to this morning. And I pray he will bless this message as it goes on the internet for the world to listen to. Verse 17 from Acts chapter 10, please. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. Peter doubts in himself what this vision meant. There's no papal infallibility here. The only time the apostles were infallible was when they were under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. When they sat down and wrote the New Testament. Apart from that, they were never infallible. And you saw back in the Gospels, Peter fell on one occasion in reference to denying the Lord. And here he's arguing with the Lord. And he'll fall one more time in Antioch, in Galatians chapter 2. But thank the Lord we are saved in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. And that's why I hold to imputation, which means very simply that when a believer gets saved, the Lord gives that sinner Christ's imputed righteousness. So when he sees us, he doesn't see our filthiness, our unclean state. He sees his beloved son. So that's why I think... Uh, we should hold to eternal security because if we could lose it, we certainly would. And here Peter is arguing with the Lord. Well, he was back in thirteen, fourteen, going into verse 16. But to be fair to him, this is quite a major event in his life. He's been told to eat what was once unclean. 
And on top of that, he's been told that a man called Cornelius has been sent to find him. And this man, Cornelius, a Gentile proselyte, a Roman soldier, would have been thought of as a questionable character by the Jews and the early church. And yet at the same time, I think Peter would have been somewhat perplexed or maybe somewhat bemused or somewhat excited, can I say, to meet such a man. But we're living in a generation now where such individuals, such mighty individuals don't get saved. But here they're getting saved, not on a mass scale, but on a minor scale. But they're getting saved nevertheless. So I'm not going to be too critical on Peter, doubting himself what the vision would mean. But they've arrived at the house of Simon the Tanner. And it says in verse 19, While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. The Spirit, the Holy Ghost, spoke to Peter. You can quench the Holy Spirit, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, and you can lie to the Holy Spirit. And I took some time going through Acts chapter 5 to demonstrate that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Lord told us that when he went back to heaven, he would send another comforter. And that word another in Greek means another of the same kind. Not another of a different kind, which is what the Muslims would have you believe. In fact, a Muslim will tell you with a straight face that the comforter spoken about back in the Gospel of John is in reference to, wait for it, Muhammad, can you believe? A man who didn't arrive on the scene until seven centuries after the Lord's ascension back to heaven. And I'm not overly sure if the man ever existed, but if he did, for argument's sake, it isn't possible that the comforter would be in reference to Muhammad. That's foolishness. The comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Godhead. And Peter's still thinking about this vision. As I say, he's slightly perplexed. What could it mean? Who are these people? And he's told, Behold, three men seek thee. Twenty. Arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing. For I have sent them. Don't doubt, don't fear, go. Go by faith, trust in what I'm telling you, Peter. And to his credit, verse 21. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause whereof ye are come, or wherefore ye are come? It's a fair question. This man is a Jew. He spent all of his life in Jewry. And yet, this will be the second time in Scripture where a Jew is going to witness to a Gentile. And I took some time going through Acts chapter 8 in reference to the Ethiopian eunuch, a Gentile proselyte. And uh, Philip witnesses to him gets him saved and baptizes him. And many apologists, many Catholic apologists, will overlook Acts chapter 8 and go to Acts chapter 10 and argue that Peter was the first person in the scripture to witness to a Gentile in the book of Acts. That's incorrect. This is actually the second account. 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned by God, by a holy angel, to send for thee into his house, and to hear words of thee. There's James chapter 2. Your works are seen in the eyes of others. And it says, he's a just man, one that fears God, of good report among all the nation of the Jews, and was warned by God of a holy angel, or by a holy angel, to send for thee into his house. Ask yourself this question. What would his servants, 
Cornelius as servants of thoughts were being sent to, first of all, an apostle known as Simon Peter, secondly, to the house of a tenor, and thirdly, what they have thought of their master speaking about seeing an angel. And I'll be quite honest with you, if somebody came up to me in the street and told me they had seen an angel, I'd be very sceptical. My position has always been that God doesn't speak to people like he once did back in the Bible. I don't think he speaks audibly. I don't think he appears in physical form. I don't think he sends angels or messengers to speak to people. I think he speaks to us through his word, the written word of God. But I will say this, that it's possible that he may speak to you through a third party in reference to the word of God. Somebody might say to you, brother, I have a word for you and quote the scripture. And that scripture might speak to you. But here we're still dealing with signs and wonders. We're still dealing with the Jewish community having to open up to the Gentiles, which were seen as unclean individuals. And I made that case last week. So there's a level of skepticism here. And it says in verse 23, Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them. And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. That's hospitality. It's a great picture of hospitality. He lodges them. And that word lodge or lodger, I'm not sure if it's used overseas, but in the UK, the word lodger means a tenant. And he's going to put this messenger or two from Cornelius up. Three men to be precise. And the following day, Peter went with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. That's interesting because it shows me that Peter didn't travel alone to meet Cornelius. He took some brethren with him. Why? Well, because they are interested. They are intrigued. What's going on here? We are Jews. This centurion has sent three men to seek out Simon Peter. What does he want? Does he come as a friend or a foe? But Simon Peter was told to go. And I think this is in reference to John chapter 10. And I've mentioned this many times over the last several weeks. How the Lord made it very clear that he would have different sheep that would one day come into his fold. In reference to the Gentiles. And yet the Mormons think it's in reference to themselves. Their own foolish private interpretation. The Bible, please listen to me now, is a Jewish book. The Bible was written by Jewish men. The Bible was written to Jewish people. If you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile. And by the grace of God, you are grafted in to the root. The root is Jewish. The root is holy. We are unholy. For centuries, the Gentiles were outside of the remits of God. But through the Jews' rejection of their Messiah, through the Jews' rejection of their prophets and kings, going back through the Old Testament, the Lord has been gracious to allow Gentiles to be saved. He's been very gracious to allow those of us which are not Jews to read his word, to understand it. But above that, to believe in his beloved son, to believe that his son was the Messiah of Israel and how he came to die for the sins of the world. So 23 would very simply be in reference to Simon's brethren, fellow brothers in the Lord, accompanying Cornelius's three-strong team back to his house. And this also shows humility in the parts of Simon Peter. He doesn't say, come to my house, come to my church. He's going to find Cornelius. He's going to speak to Cornelius. This goes back to what I said at the beginning of this message. You need to put yourselves out, my friends. Some of you brothers need to get busy. Some of you brothers need to stop doing church, stop doing religion, and start 
practicing a faithful and life-changing relationship with our beloved Lord. Put yourself out. Don't expect people to come to you. People are dying every day of the week and it's down to us to go out into the highways and the byways and win souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, please. And the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and his near friends. This is marvellous. Cornelius has called his kinsmen, his family, and his near friends. He is waiting in anticipation for something wonderful to occur. And you were told in Matthew chapter 10 that if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ before men, the Lord Jesus Christ will confess you before his Father. But if you deny the Lord Jesus Christ in front of men, the Lord Jesus Christ will deny you in the presence of his Father. So confess him in front of others to be saved, to honour him. But if you don't confess him in front of others, the Lord won't confess you in front of his Father. And in Luke chapter 6, I think it is, the cross-reference to Matthew chapter 10, he goes and say how he won't confess you in front of the holy angels. So this is a great picture of witnessing in anticipation for the arrival of Simon Peter and co. Look at 25, please. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now, to be fair to Cornelius, I'll say one or two things here. On the one hand, he perhaps is a little superstitious or more likely overwhelmed at meeting Simon Peter. But of course, you know what this really is in reference to or against. It would be against the Pope of Rome. He's very happy for people to fall down at his feet, to kiss his ring, to receive a blessing. He was happy for centuries to be carried around like a god throughout St. Peter's Square. And we'll get to that in Acts chapter 12, when the angel of the Lord will kill a king for doing that. And it says he thought he was a god and not a man. So I'm not going to be too harsh on Cornelius for losing himself for a while. And this almost happened with Daniel back in, I think it's Daniel chapter 2, off the top of my head, where Nebuchadnezzar fell down and worshipped Daniel. And Daniel temporarily received it. Sometimes this can happen to the best of us. I don't care who you are. You can lose your mind for a short period of time. I think I gave the account some weeks ago when I was talking to a brother online some years ago. And I'll share it again in case I didn't uh, perhaps recall the entire conversation. But very briefly, I was talking to a brother online some years ago. And somebody called the brother up. And he said to this individual, we'd like to speak to a pastor in England. In reference to me, now I'm not a pastor. I'm just an ordinary Bible-believing Christian. I don't call myself a pastor. Just an ordinary, self-taught, saved sinner. And this person came on the phone, it was through Skype, incidentally, and said, uh, good morning or good afternoon, pastor, how are you? I didn't say a word, I didn't correct her. I was quite happy to receive it. But afterwards I thought to myself, James, you, just, you, know, you should have corrected her. Just said to this lady, I'm not a pastor, just an ordinary individual. But sometimes you lose your mind. Sometimes you get puffed up. And I thought to myself, I erred. And I allowed that woman to think I was a pastor and I wasn't. And I'm not. Never have called myself a pastor. Never will call myself a pastor. In fact, I'll say this. Most of the pastors that I come into contact with, I don't think much of. I'm sorry to say that. But my experience has been that most people, most pastors in organized religion are very ungodly, unfriendly, unapproachable, arrogant. But I won't go off the main theme of this piece of scripture. I don't want to 
go down the roots of examining organized religion. That'll be a future message for future day. But here, Cornelius has fallen at the feet and worshipped him. It would have been very embarrassing for Peter. And it would have been very embarrassing for Peter's associates to have to see such a thing. And it would have been very embarrassing for the servants of Cornelius to see such a thing. But without any doubt, verse 26, but Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. That's what should have happened. That's what did happen. That's what Daniel should have said to Nebuchadnezzar back in the book of Daniel. That's what I should have said to that lady who spoke to me via a brother overseas. I'm not a pastor. I'm just an ordinary man. But the flesh is weak. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So I won't be overly critical of Cornelius. But to Peter's credit, he puts him right. And yet you won't find any pope anywhere in the world saying, get up, stand up, get off your knees, stop kissing my ring, stop touching my slipper, stop worshipping me. I'm just a man like you are. Not likely. And this is the truth of the matter. Most people that are in a religious system are very happy to be in a religious system. It gives them something to get their hands on. It gives them a sense of importance. It gives them something to look up to. They are important, but... Take the system away, take the man or the woman out of the system, they're nothing. They're no different to you or I. 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that would come together. He's going to speak to him, he's going to witness to him, he's going to take his time to articulate the things of the Lord to Cornelius. 28. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or uncommon or unclean. A Jew was to be separated from the Gentiles. A Jew was to dress differently from the Gentiles. A Jew was to act differently from the Gentiles. And we are told in Second Corinthians chapter 6 to be separate from the world. Of course, the exception would be in reference to family members and work colleagues. If you're a saved man or woman listening to this broadcast, you shouldn't be associating on a social level with unsaved people. Why? Because they will contaminate you. They will take your testimony from you. Evil communication corrupts good manners. And you think to yourself, Simon Peter is almost castigating this man Cornelius and his group of colleagues. In fact, one Jewish saved commentator put the case forward that Simon Peter was a very arrogant man. And here he's been dressed down. I think it's a bit over the top. I think it's somewhat harsh to say that about Simon Peter. He's simply saying that it's not lawful for a Jew to keep company of somebody from another nation. Which was true. Separation. But he goes on to say, God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Which goes back to the beginning of this message. Put yourself out. Don't get puffed up. Go down skid row. Speak to the down and outs. Don't think that you are something special. You're not. So this is a great picture of Simon Peter coming to his own. 29. Therefore came unto you without gain, saying, as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore for what intent you have sent for me. That's true. He went straight away. He didn't drag his heels like Lot did. He was taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He went straight away without any delay. And now he wants to know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I assist you? It's a fair question. He wants to know who these people are. He wants to know what they are doing, knocking at his door via Simon the Tanner. And yet he knows, I think, deep down what these people want. 
They want to hear the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Simon Peter was the apostle to the Jews. Cornelius, technically speaking, is a Jew because he's now a proselyte. Whereas Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So that's why he has been called. That's why he has been dispatched. That's why he is the main character focused on in chapter 10. Of course, had it been Paul, it would have been a very different story. But Paul, we saw last time, has temporarily left Dr. Luke's commentary. And he'll come back, I think, in chapter 11. And I'll close today's broadcast in 29 one more time. Therefore came unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. Put yourself out. If somebody wants to know about the Lord, put yourself out. I ask therefore for what intent you have sent for me. Are you truly seeking the Lord? Do you know what it's going to take to follow him? To be saved is very simple. You believe on him and trust in him. But to be a faithful disciple, to be a life-changing and productive soul winner, is going to be a whole different ball game. I ask therefore for what intent you have sent for me. Now the ball's back in their court. And I've run out of time for today's broadcast to continue on. I thought this would be a two-part study from Acts chapter 10. I think it's going to be at least a three to maybe a four-part study. But that's okay. I'm in no rush to finish this piece of scripture. And I said last time that most of what you're reading in Acts of the Apostles is historical. So you can't take this and apply it to someone today. In other words, you can't read these scriptures and say, did this happen to you? Because we are in a different dispensation now. But I won't go any further. And just leave the thought in your minds, if I may, that Simon Peter has put himself out. He's taken the Lord's call to approach the individual. He's left his comfort zone, which is very important. And he's going to preach Jesus. Not religion, not a system, not an organization. He's going to preach Jesus to Cornelius and his servants. And you'll see what happens when that occurs during the next broadcast. But we'll stop there. Today in Acts 10 verse 29.